Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Arnas, Sayadar, and Sayadin. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. All right, what's up, Forsaken? This is Steven, your host with Phantology Podcast, along with my lifelong friend Josh, talking about episodes four and five of season two of the Wheel of Time TV show. These episodes are getting better, in my opinion. Um, we'll we'll do like no spoilers. What do you want to do, Josh? Should we, should we say no spoilers past this point in the show? Or should we talk about what's coming up in book two later on? Yeah, let's say no spoilers. Uh, let's just say you're you're good if you've watched the show. We might maybe allude to some things that book readers might understand, like say, but I think we'll keep it spoiler, very spoiler light. Okay. Yeah. Very, very spoiler light. Just up to maybe we'll talk about like book differences or something, but we'll yeah, we'll try to yeah. keep it pretty tame. Okay. So yeah, I, I liked these episodes more. I think the show is getting better. Your thoughts? Well, I was just asking you to remind me what happened in episode four. So that might be an indication that wasn't my favorite of episodes. I think episode mm-hmm. three and five have been my favorite so far, personally. Okay. Yeah. I think that's where I'm at. I'm kind of struggling, honestly. Like, and, and I'll say struggling to fully form where I'm sitting with my opinion because it's like, I think the show's getting better, but at the same time, there's enough things that bug me that seem correctable that make me want to say like, you know, this show could be really awesome, but it's like sitting in this kind of like above average state. So from a non-biased perspective, I'll say it's above average. And since I'm so invested in the Wheel of Time, I like, I really want it to be good. So it's frustrating watching, but at the same time, like there are some really good things that you can appreciate about the show. But then there's also some things that are just like, ah, why isn't this better? Yeah, I think that that's largely true. Here's the thing though. I think around episode five in the first season is when the is when the show really starts to slog. I maintain that episodes one and two of the first season are really good TV and they're really good um, episodes of the Wheel of Time. But I think after maybe episode five and six, it started going downhill a little bit. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's encouraging that episode five is probably one of my favorite episodes this season. And so that's what kind of where I'm at. But I do agree with you that there's a lot of things in the show are working. A few things in the show are really not working for me. And it's frustrating because like you said, if they did correct those things for me, it's more story wise, mm. pretty much just land and Maureen is like the biggest thing. And then after that, um, like if they just didn't do what they're doing with land and Maureen, then I'd be so much more happy, but we'll see if it pays off. And Matt, I should say. And Matt, yeah, I, should say. I, yeah. I agree with Matt. Yeah. Let, let's pause here real quick for a commercial sponsor break. Okay. So yeah, I, it's like, I don't want to be too critical because I think the majority of the things are positive, but at the same time, like we have to address the things that I feel could be stronger. Let's, let's talk about the positives first. Okay. Since, yeah, good you know, idea. To, to be fair, like I think the positives are stronger than the negatives. I'll say the thing that I like the most through the first five episodes is the way they're doing the Forsaken. 
I think Lanfair and Shamael both are fantastic, you know, casting, costuming, they look cool, they look creepy, they look, you know, they look like villains, but they're also not just like black and white villains. And I guess just all the villains in general, they're really nailing the spirit of the Wheel of Time where there's kind of villains in different spectrum of gray and black and white, even like yeah, even you, you can't even count on your heroes of doing the right thing all the time. You know, you're kind of always right, worried about right. them. So, I mean, the ironic thing about the Wheel of Time is in a, in a struggle between the ultimate light of the creator and the ultimate dark of the dark one. Really, you know, most of the conflict is in between this big spectrum of good and evil. And, and I, I love that about the story. And I feel like the show is really capturing that spirit. Yeah. I was having a conversation with one of our mutual friends, um, Jackson. Hopefully he doesn't mind me uh, shouting okay. it out. Yep. Yep. What's up, Jackson? Um, <laughs> yesterday. And he uh-huh. made the point. He he said he feels like this is a masterclass in like listening to fan reactions and picking like discerning the fan reactions that have a point and then implementing those changes. And mm. for me, the Forsaken is like a huge example of that because the, the Forsaken was one of the like it was one of the weakest points in season one for me. Because like they they kind of paid lip service a little bit to it, and then Ashamael was uh-huh. kind of you know peeking his head up every now and, they, and then. Right, they didn't show up at the end in episode eight, which was a little disappointing. Right, and now we're at you know starting with the dark friend social, and then we're having Ashamael. Now we have Lanfear. We have um, Lanfear and Ashamael plot, plotting. We have mm-hmm. references to other Forsaken. And how, you know, like they're not all on the same team per se. So I, I just think that this is, you know, for sure, they took one of the weakest a- aspects and most worrisome aspects of what where the show is at and have made it into my favorite part of the show or one of my favorite parts of the show. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how many they actually bring to screen. I think a lot of people. Well, I think it's going to be eight, right? Because I think yeah, they've that, set eight. That's, on, have they? Is that, that's kind of the running theory, right? Because didn't they do that when uh, in in season one? What's what was the name of the warder that died? That like had I think he said something about the Forsaken, and did he name? I don't think he named them off. He, he didn't said, name did them. I think he said eight, and then I think that there are eight statues. Eight statues is probably it. Sure. So yeah, I think that's pretty much you know confirmed. Yeah, and then and then I, I think, think that when, would be fine. I think when Lanfer was. Um, listing them off she she mentioned like her and ishamael and then she mentioned mogidian morgidian yeah and, and grendel grendel and then they said their three other brothers no she just said quote the boys oh i thought so I, oh the boys the, i thought she said three boys yeah. three boys it, no I thought, just the boys oh okay maybe i'm wrong. so am, I ambiguous thought, gotcha, ambiguous gotcha. to know how many yeah okay Maybe four boys, maybe three. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Lanfear and her boys. I mean, I assume they're going to do Demon Dread. Like, we have to yeah. have him. Yeah. And then, you know, the other ones, I guess they could just, it, depending on which plot points they decide to focus on, they could bring in other ones. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Other good things I raved last time about the characters. I think that continues to be true. Uh, Matt needs to do something, though. And, but I think that parent. Yeah. Egwene, Nynaeve, Rand, all all great. I think one thing that I liked about season five, or sorry, episode five, was the characters were finally like making choices for themselves. Our 
and I should say the Edmonds filled five characters were making choices for themselves outside of Matt, who we'll talk about him maybe later, but um, in the things we don't like section. <laughs> yeah. Right. But Rand, you know, deciding what to do about Landfair a little bit. Moraine's not just bossing around parents deciding to go back and free Avienda. And like, you can see a little bit about his character, Nynaeve, Egwene, Elaine, Elaine, not an M and still five, but you know, still kind of with them. They're off on their own adventure now. So now rather than them just like running around scared, we get to see them make choices for themselves and stuff like that, like really empowers the character. And then the people watching the show can understand who these people are because anyone can just follow orders and run around scared. But once you're making choices, you're an active protagonist. And like, that's what every story needs. I mean, I guess, you know, if you want to stay true to the story, like most of the first book, they're kind of running around scared, but I don't know, maybe the show could have a little bit sooner given them some choices of their own to make. Maybe I'm being too harsh, but I think the positive thing is that now we're seeing them really kind of grow into their own. Totally agree with that. And it, and it's made them more endearing to me too. So, um, and I think non-book reader, or yeah, like my uh, brother-in-law that's watching this is not a book reader and he has been a lot more impressed with season two than season one. And so I think non-book readers are really picking up on that. I think book readers could see like, okay, yeah, well, that is kind of a lot of what happens in book one. And that does match up with a lot of their character motivations. And so like, maybe I gave it more of a pass than I otherwise would have. But now I I do think Mm -hmm. that that point is, is really well made. Yeah. I mean, it seems like at least like Rotten Tomatoes ratings in general, when I look around the internet, most reviewers are positive on it or like, at least average, I'm not really coming across big negative reviews other than the whole like book cloak population, which, you know, they're kind of beyond saving at this point. But I think in general, people are recognizing that the show is good. Right. Which is what you want. You know, if you, if, if the show can have us can continue having a okay first season, a really a solid second season, and then if it improves and stays good, then that's that's awesome, you know, and has like a set. Did they want seven seasons, right? Am I just making that? Up? I don't remember how many they've said, but if they can get know. a seven, seven or eight yeah. season run and and seasons three through seven are great, then yeah, I mean, I think they awesome. would be thrilled with seven, right? Like Game of Thrones got eight, and I don't think your epic fantasy show is going to go much longer than seven and or eight I, seasons. And personally, I think we saw with Game of Thrones, like people kind of start to lose interest in it, you know. And well, the problem was the showrunners lost interest in it. Th- that is true. But still, I mean, that is part of it, right? Like you have an entire crew of people that are devoting like decades plus of their life. Like, yeah, okay. people are going to lose interest in it, you know? And and if you're a really talented showrunner, you know, then not everyone be, can be like Kevin Feige and just like devote his life to yeah. making the biggest movies. I, I don't know. That's I'm just fair. saying that That's like fair. Sure. Fans, fans and people making it are going to start to lose interest. Actors, actresses probably you know start looking around for their next role after a few seasons and i think that's one of the interesting things sorry just about a meta point about tv production like all the harry potter movies it was like year after year after year like i don't think they missed a year of coming out with a harry potter movie right between like 2000 2001 and 2009 or something 2002 harry potter ballpark there harry potter 7 part 2 came out in 2010 20 no, 2011, 2012. No, no, no. We were in high school. We were, we, I saw it in Arizona before college. It was 2010 or 2011. Okay. Right. But yeah, but regardless, like that, that 
you know, pumped out movies like the Lord of the Rings movies pumped out. Like I think a lot of these franchises, Hunger Games, they pumped out movies. You know, a lot of these movies that really captured the mm-hmm. population's like interest. It was quick productions on them, and they were good, but like they weren't two three years between project. Movies are two and a half hours. TV show eight seasons, eight hours. But even Game of Thrones, year after year, it came out. There was some longer gaps in like between season six and seven, seven and eight. Yeah, I, I'm just saying. Like, I think yeah. that it, I think it does help. Like, House of the Dragon was huge, and I think if House of the Dragon was coming out next month, like people would still be really excited about it. But mm. I don't know. Like, I don't see that many people talking about House of the Dra- Dragon anymore. And right. I think it, I think that hurts it. Like. I don't know. And I want it to be really good. So it's, I know it's a balancing act between like, you know, how good you can make it versus how quick of a turnaround you can have. Mm-hmm. But I think that mm-hmm. kind of hurts projects to have things drug on like that. Yeah. Like, that's maybe a hot take. I'm not like fully committed to it. No, but. I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I, I don't know enough about production to like say why, or if they're doing a good job or a bad job, but it seems like most projects are a year and a half, two years for a TV show season when it's a big TV show. Yeah, that's what it's become for sure. Yeah. I mean, is it just effects? Special effects are just like, they're just imposed forever. Yeah. And maybe people have just come to, I think maybe now everything's a prestige TV thing. You know what I mean? Like when you're, when you're putting out not as good of con, I want to say not as good, but like content that people don't expect, you know, crazy visual effects from then mm-hmm. it's easier to do the filming, editing, and you know, knock it out. That's why we need AI to come up with our TV shows, right? <laughs> okay, now we're going to get canceled. <laughs> Not a take that I actually stand by. That is a joke, just to be clear. <laughs> okay, other things that you liked about uh, first five episodes? Or yeah. not first five episodes, really, specifically episodes four, four and five. five. Yeah. Yeah, Rand and Lanfear's relationship, that was super interesting. I do appreciate giving it a little bit more humanity to Moraine through like introducing her like like how like her house and her, her sister and stuff yeah 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 that wasn't really a big part of the book right like i know it was mentioned like you had no, some backstory i mean her. we're aware of maureen's backstory but it is not no it's not a big yeah. part of the books at all so th- i think that's cool i think if they're gonna keep focusing on maureen as like a predominant character which i think is a fine decision then she mm-hmm. does need a little bit more humanity and this is a good way to do that I wasn't liking where she was going until episode five, where you really saw more of her like vulnerability with her family. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, that really not saved her, but that made me a lot higher on the character. And mostly because I just didn't like what was happening with Lan. Yeah. Other things I, I don't know, other things I like, I think Perrin and his wolf stuff is going okay. You know, like um, it's interesting to see the connection to the dark, but I think that he was worried. It was that there was a connection to the dark or something in the books. I might be making that up, but that is kind of, I mean, he's definitely like, that's his whole character is this duality of like beast and man. And like, who is he? And the white clothes, the white type thing. Right. The whole white white thing. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's cool. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I think the pacing of the episodes have gotten a little bit better too where it's they're holding my interest they're a little bit longer and i think that actually helps with the pacing a little bit more it is a little bit longer they all i don't know if this is true but it seems like most of them clock in at a little more than an hour so like a few more minutes each one yeah which you think might make it slower but i think it's Uh instead it's less choppiness and more like giving things a chance to actually be fleshed out 
right, would, right. which helps with it. I like that each episode, it's tough to do because you have so many different points of view, but it seems like each episode is kind of like centered around a, like it has a main plot thread through the whole episode. It's not just like this character gets 10 minutes, this character gets 10 minutes, this character gets 10 minutes. There are some that get more and less, and that kind of creates this narrative for each one. Yeah. I mean, downside is you don't see some characters at all sometimes, but I think that's fine as long as they're like appearing enough throughout the season. Is that going to lead us into uh, something that we don't like? Yeah. I mean, we can jump around. I, I have some more positives, but. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm, but yeah, let's switch over to some stuff we didn't like as much. And I mean, should we just say that like, what the heck is going on with Matt at this point through five episodes? Yeah. Yeah, man. I think by far, this is the word, the thing I like the least. I understand that at the ending of season one, if you're having to do rewrites like on the fly, then the story is going to be a little bit choppy. Like I totally get that. So I gave it a big pass in season one. They've had Mm -hmm. two years to figure out what they're going to do with Matt. And so far we've had him leave a room. It's been a big nothing for him. And there's been like two scenes. It feels like where Donald, right? The new actor has had a chance to actually like act and They've been, and it's been fine. Like, I think he does a good job with Matt. He looks fine and he's kind of capturing the character in the brief, brief moments we've seen, but he's getting like no chances. And I guess we should say, you know, there's still three episodes left. They've got to be doing something with Matt. Like if we get to the end of eight episodes and we're still at this point, then I feel totally comfortable coming down really hard and like totally condemning this. But let's say for now we are dissatisfied and worried, but optimistic yeah, sure like pray, praying that something will happen sure. with him fine it's just you you even still if you go over half a season with doing nothing with one of your main characters then i think that in and of itself is disappointing so i i think i'm disappointed not to say that they can't come out with something in the future but still it'll be a disappointing you know yeah. run of five episodes with doing absolutely nothing with the character i mean my thing is i feel like if you haven't read the books you're like who is this character and why do i care about him yeah for sure and if you have read the books, you're frustrated because you're like, I care about this character, but where is he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know what else we can say about that other than no, hopefully it gets I mean, better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. They, yeah. They've improved a lot of other things. So maybe there is some hope, but yeah. Yeah. I'm not loving. I mean, I said before, I'm not loving what they did with Lan. I feel like in episode four, he had a lot of scenes and they were kind of boring. And he's just kind of like, for lack of better words, he's just kind of moping around. He doesn't really like this is this is a an example of a character who does not have any active choices to make. He's just kind of wandering around, getting picked up by Alana and her warders and just sitting around doing nothing active. And so I feel like we don't care about him. Yeah, I totally agree. And the thing is with the character, it's part of the character to not have any emotion, right? Or to have very little emotion. To be very so stoic, like, yeah. To be very stoic, which is fine. Like that's a fine character trait, but what it's not in it's not interesting to sit with a super stoic character where they're when they're not doing anything you know what i mean like and they've done some things i mean the big controversy quote-unquote of season one was to like have him be so expressively emotive i don't know if i that made sense but you know during uh gosh i can't remember his name yeah what's Uh, his name funeral steppen 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 yeah steppen yeah um yeah so that was people were you know up in arms about that I think it's fine. You can't just have a character show no emotion ever on TV screen. That's boring. But I don't know. I feel like at this point, if you're land, like did people forget that him and Nynaeve are in love? Like 
shouldn't he be maybe going after her at this point? I don't know. Like trying to come up with something for him to do. That's the thing I come back to. Yeah. Big question. Big question mark. Hopefully, hopefully they get that figured out. And it looks like the scenes for the next episode had him and the Alana's two orders, like preparing to fight, which I would be shocked if that actually happened. Yeah. Um, I mean, it looks like they were, they had discovered the dark prophecy, right. That he had, and they were like, you're a dark friend, something like that. Oh, that might have been some some kind of misunderstanding. I'm assuming it's going to happen. Right. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Big question mark on there on that too. We'll, we'll have to see how that plays out, but it's another one where, where those two biggest things for, for the season story-wise are just, it's like lower. It's like, it's, this is if those two things were as good as the rest of the season, it'd be like a solid eight for me, you know. And this is mm-hmm. like at least, and this is like they're for sure bringing me down to like you know around the seven mark of like, okay, yeah, this is good, but it could be could be great, like you were saying earlier. Yeah, I'm really hoping that at the end of the season, everyone comes together somewhere like in the same location, which I assume will be Falma, right? But I'm kind of wondering how they're gonna do that. Because like Elaine said, there are thousands of miles. I'm pretty sure she said thousands of miles away from the White Tower. But some of our characters are over there in the White Tower vicinity. I know there are ways to fast travel, but I hope that that's like if they come together, I hope it's done well. And it's not just like Game of Thrones season seven and eight. Yeah, hearts no. I I do think that they maybe they'll have another time skip, but I don't think at this point that that would really work. No. Maybe because there's too much there's too much tension around Egwene being captured. Yeah, we can't just we can't just skip time while everyone travels to them. Mm, That's true. And there's no slower way to travel than a horse. So, yeah, exactly. Anyway, so there's yeah, those are some negatives. I feel pretty. I I mean, I feel fine pointing those things out. I think I mean, if you think that's fine, let us know in the comments. But those are things that I feel they could definitely improve on. Yeah, I I will say Lauren um, from Unraveling the Pattern made a good point, I think, in his episode four video about Lana Moraine. Um, so go watch that video. It did make me a little bit le- a little bit more sympathetic to it. But okay. um yeah. I I don't know. I'm still was he back and forth. Was he it. kind of hint- was he hinting at stuff that happens later in the books or a little bit, yeah. Yeah. I don't okay. want to spoil it. And, and yeah. he, he made he's very eloquent on it. But yeah. I could I could see that I just feel like at this point in the story we understand in the TV show, it's kind of awkward, but yeah, I, I get what he's saying. Yeah. Some other positives for me, I think Avienda was awesome. Really liked her intro, really liked the actress and just like the vibe of Avienda that we've seen so far. Yeah. I have no, I have no negatives about that. And yeah, no notes look, looking forward. Yeah. No notes other than two thumbs up. Let's see some more. Yeah. It was a fun fight scene with uh, her and Perrin and all the white cloaks. I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. And introducing did you more. Think the, oh, did you think the dialogue afterwards with her and Perrin where they were, she was joking around, like, did you, did you think that was funny or cheesy? Yeah. Or what? Yeah. I thought it was funny, but, but because I've read, you know, 12 books of uh, Aiel humor, you know what I mean? And that kind of lines up with Aiel humor of trying to mm-hmm. kind of, make people feel uncomfortable with yeah risque with jokes different, different and different customs and yeah yeah and parent parent of course is going to react like that yeah so i don't know how that would come off to someone that doesn't really get the ideal humor maybe it would seem cheesy and it, i mean it was cheesy either way but I, I didn't mind it i thought it was really funny i mean there's not a lot of comic relief 
And yeah. Avienda is not comic relief. Like she's not the comic relief character. That's mostly Matt. But because but, Matt's I mean, not doing anything. Right. Yeah, exactly. Avienda can she can be funny though. If I it's been a few years since I read the books. Yeah, but. yeah. No, I, I think one trope that I always love, like is very rarely done poorly, is like the clashing cultures one perceived as like the you know kind of nomadic barbarian type people almost coming in to the more quote-unquote civilized people but it turns out you know the nomadic people are actually like just different they're not you know they're not like less developed they're just they, they've almost got things like more figured out in some ways anyway just like the general clash of cultures i always think are is well done yeah agreed and that's something the the wheel of time books do really well so yeah it's good that it's carrying over to the show yeah so solid there what do you think of sean chan Sunshine, I've been impressed by the sunshine in the books are kind of interesting because they're really big. Well, I don't want to spoil things, but like they kind of leave right for for a while, and they're yeah. kind of a looming looming presence. And honestly, it had been since um, I hadn't read the second book since high school, so it had been a while since I had like read about the sunshine mm-hmm. in, in a lot of depth. Um, and then I reread book two, um, leading up to the this um, episode to the series, uh, to the season coming out. Mm-hmm. and so i think that yeah they did a good job of capturing this really ominous invading force tone with really unique customs yeah no like you say i think one of the hardest challenges in making the the book series into a tv show is in the book series not just with the shan chan but there are a lot of plot lines that just kind of get picked up and developed and then they're dropped for sometimes like books at a time or they'll yeah. visit a, lo- a location and the location will be really well fleshed out. And then they'll come back to it like books and books later. But you can't really do that with your TV show because you can only have so many sets and you have to remind viewers of the different groups and people and cultures. And so you have to compress like this massive, you have to, I mean, it's massive scope in a lot of directions. You have to compress that down into something that is palatable. Digestible, a, yeah. Yeah, for someone who's just watching the show. And so, I mean, I'm glad that they're introducing the Shan Chen now. And I expect some changes in that I like I expect them to continue to be relevant throughout the rest of the series. I don't yeah, you know, have like to. a lot like a lot of other plot lines, I don't think they're just gonna go away and come back. Yeah, they kind of have to do that with the Chen, I would think. Right, right. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how because like I, I honestly think that is the biggest challenge of this whole endeavor is compressing the scope into a into a TV show. But on the other hand, that's something that I want to see more of is just like a bigger scope in general to convince people that this is a big epic story and there's lots of big locations and large, you know, lots of, lots of people around. Like I feel like the largest gatherings of people we've seen on screen are like a hundred to 150 or something. But you know, this is a, a book series with massive groups of armies and, and battles and all kinds of things that just feature it's just large in scope in, in so many ways. Like you have massive groups of hundreds of thousands of Trollocs at times, right? But obviously you can't do that exactly on screen. But at the same time, like I want to be convinced that what I'm seeing really is the, you know, the wheel of time. It's the clash, ultimate clash of dark and light. And everyone on the world really cares about what's happening, not just like the select group of people that make it onto I think that that's a great summary of the biggest challenges that I'm moving forward. Yeah. Right. Like, and yeah, everything I described is like, 
dollar signs, right? How do you do all that? Yeah. I mean, when Lord of the Rings was faced with that, they literally had to come up with new like CGI strategies, you know, where they like, that was kind of the first time they like kind of copied and pasted the crowd onto mm. itself. You know, I'm, I, I'm sure I butchered that, but like, I remember watching the, you know, the bonus features of Lord of the Rings and being like, oh my gosh, they came up with all these new uh-huh. ways of filming and new ways of visual effects in order to generate these things. And so hopefully, you know, hopefully they can figure that out, uh, but, uh, but some, a way that fits in their budget to make these things happen things, things happen. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think that's where people kind of struggle with fantasy TV adaptations because everyone's seen Lord of the Rings and they know how cool. And Lord of the Rings is what, 20 years old now. Right. Yeah. And, and it, 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 it's, it, it's aged a little bit, right? Like you sure you go, yeah. you go watch it. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm not saying it's like, you know, the absolute gold standard. In some ways, it is kind of the gold standard. But I'm not saying it's like absolutely perfect. But what I am saying is that people know what a really cool fantasy battle looks like with huge groups of orcs gathered around Helm's Deep and gathered around Minas Tirith, right? And just massive. It just, it, it looks massive, right? And so when you're watching a TV show that you've heard compared to Lord of the Rings, but there's just like small crowds of enemies running around. It's just hard because everyone's seen Lord of the Rings and they know what massive scale looks like. And they're like, yeah, this is not quite that. Not that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Fingers crossed for episodes, you know, six, seven and eight, because there's yeah. rumors that they've been able to, that there's a scene coming up that would do that for us. You know? Yeah. That's what I want to see. And even, I mean, we love talking about Game of Thrones and comparing to Game of Thrones and it's really obnoxious to do it, but even Game of Thrones, like they didn't have very many big battles. No, well, they dropped the ball on season eight. They had the huge, you know, like group of Dothraki soldiers run into a forest. <laughs> or into the mist, right? And they just or into the mist. No, yeah, 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 whatever. And then that was the end of the Dothraki, this huge horde of Dothraki soldiers. Oh. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just saying that like, yeah, Game of Thrones didn't figure it out. And they, they did have some cool battle scenes. You know, I'm coming up on one. On they my, had some, on my rewatch, they had some but, good ones. I mean, like yeah. Battle of the Bastards, right? Like there were some some really cool ones, but there were there were not very many where there were like massive massive groups of enemies scaling mm-hmm. off against each other. Yeah, they did a lot of clever things to make it look really big. Like I remember back to the Battle of the Blackwater, right? The the first one with the oh, what is it, fiend fire or the whatever the green explosive stuff is? Yeah, you know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, butchered that, but that. That whole battle, I think it's in season three, two. maybe. I think season two. two. Yeah. So pretty early on. And if I remember right, there's not any like big massive scenes. And the, the biggest one is obviously in the ships. And then there's some conflict like outside kind of the keep area where Tyrion is fighting. But there's not really big groups of people, but that gives you vibes that that it is. Like the yeah, way they did big. it was really yeah, yeah, it's it's clever. Yeah, I agree. So that's kind of yeah. what you have to pull off to make your fantasy TV show look cool. Yeah. Gotta be clever with that limited budget. Or House of the Dragon, the one that episode where um oh gosh, it's been a while since watching House of the Dragon. What's yeah. the what's yeah. the main what's the main Targaryen's name? Shoot. Unhinged the unhinged one. It's kind of you know what yeah. I'm talking about, where he goes in and yeah. he kill, he he squares off against all the bandits single handedly. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was a time where we knew the names of characters and reviewed them. Uh but this is not that time. <laughs> yep. Dang, that's gonna bug me. Damon. Damon Targaryen. Damon. Yeah. 
Good call. Actually, Good call. that should be really easy. Like Targaryens only have like 10 different names. Come on. We should have been sure. able to come up with that. <laughs> I was in for that. I was in for Halloween last year. Is it Eamon, Aegon, Damon, Daenerys? Like there's only so many. Yeah. Um, All right. Any, what other, any like final notes for episodes four and five? Not really. I think that, um, I think that you do. I, I, I'm really interested to see what they do with Moraine. That's a big question mark. I haven't, um, besides her relationship with Lan, I haven't hated it. I, I still, I still am unclear whether she's shielded or whether she's, uh, uh, gent- not gentle. If but she's the, actually stilled. Yeah. Like, is that mm-hmm. meant to be a mystery or like, are we meant to know that by now? I don't see any reason why you'd think she's not, except if you've read the books and you're like, this doesn't really happen in book one, but it could be permanent in the show. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we do see, you know, um, Nynaeve getting shielded by um, Leandrin, right? Leandrin. So like, yeah. So, you know, that's when I was kind of thinking like, oh, is this how they're teaching viewers about being shielded? Mm-hmm. You know? I don't think you can shield someone. Like if Ishmael was to just, well, what? Can't you, can you put a can shield? Can you tie or, off the weaves? Yeah, you can do that. And, and if it's a male tying him off, then she probably wouldn't be able to untie them, right? If my like limited book lore is accurate. Sounds right. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Bigger bigger book fans, let us know if you think there's any chance that that's not permanent. I don't know why you wouldn't think it is from watching the show, though. There's I, I haven't seen any hints. Other than when she like kind of tries a few times and never can do anything, but I think that's just meant to like reinforce that how much she lost. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that that is. Yeah, I don't know. That that's the that's another thing where I'm kind of wishy washy on. Thus far, they haven't really tried to explain the whole magic system very much. Yeah, compared to you know, compared to the exhaustive explanation you get in books, which we clearly cannot remember right now, but. I mean, the show kind of, kind of realizes that people aren't there to hear a lecture about how the one power works. That's true, but still, you know, we can we can do some cool, you know, showing not telling in some ways. But I don't know. We'll see yeah. how that. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Episode six is going to come out right. I think we're going to plan and get this out on Thursday, so it'll be later today. If you listen to the podcast day of, if you don't, then you know you can laugh at how dumb we are from whatever happened in episode six that we were way off on. Nice. All right. Thanks, Stephen. Sweet. Thanks, Josh. Talk to you later. Bye.